Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 637, air date June 5th, 2020. Hello, everyone. Uh, good evening. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Today, we're going to do two videos. Today's uh, video at this time at 515 is going to really be about citizen science as what I believe is a weapon against fake science. It's, a, it's an issue that I've talked about. But today, I really want to go deep into it. I want to talk to you about, first of all, uh, the difference between real science and fake science. Then we're going to uh, talk about um, the what is uh, fake science and how it actually affects a cycle negatively of truth, freedom, and health, and what it means to have actually truth, freedom, and health. And then we're going to talk about the difference between scientific method and scientific consensus. And then we're going to go... Uh, deeper into a solution that I've also talked about that is central to uh, my campaign for United States Senate. As many of you know, I'm running for United States Senate and our campaign for US Senate is not just a campaign for me to get into office to be a senator, but it's really part of a much larger movement for truth, freedom and health. So it's really a pleasure to see everyone coming in. We have people from London, from UK, um, Melanie Murugan, very nice to have you, New Zealand, New Jersey, Cynthia White, uh, hi, Cynthia. Australia, Trish Oke, um, if I'm pronouncing that right. Houston, Oz Saeed, uh, Scotland, Mary Harris, and that Frank from uh, Ohio uh, and Louisiana. We have uh, Netherlands, Mexico. It's wonderful to have all of you. As you can see, uh, Jen, Jen will continue. Jen's my producer. She'll continue putting up the different countries. Uh, as I was mentioning, our campaign for truth, freedom, and health um, which is central to the campaign for Shiva for Senate, uh, which is coming up, by the way, we have uh, to those of you outside and uh, the United States, uh, great to have Eric on. Eric, uh, great to be on Iowa. Eric, a big call. Sorry, Eric, I've been very busy. Sorry about that, but we will be in touch shortly. Um, Eric is an amazing uh, chiropractor who runs a, a great practice and, and he and I are working on various ways to support uh, our common interest in the body as a system. Chiropractors get it. But since Eric's on, uh, let me just sort of take a quick aside to let everyone know that my running for U.S. Senate is not about a run for U.S. Senate to win a Senate seat. Obviously, that's one of the goals. But our goal really is to educate everyone on a systems approach to understanding everything in the universe, be that your body, be that uh, things around you. Because where we are at right now in human history is that if we do not take a systems approach to understanding what's going on, we're never going to uh, get to real solutions. We're never going to identify the real problem. And this is how the lawyers work. This is how the lawyer lobbyists work. This is what politicians want. They want to divide us into left and right on every issue so we never find what the real problem is and what the real solutions. We never get to truth. We never get to health. We never exercise our freedom. So we got to go beyond left and right. So one of the central aspects of our campaign is to go beyond left and right. And as a part of that, uh, if people have gone to my the website, shivaforsenate.com, S-H-I-V-A, you'll notice that central to our campaign, which I'm going to go deeper today, is truth, freedom, and health. And what truth, freedom, and health really means is that we have to start with freedom. That's why it's, it's between truth and health. Uh, but with freedom, the ability to discourse, the ability to have debate, etc. We can practice what, what we call the scientific method. And by practicing the scientific method, we can ascertain truth. 
And with truth, we can identify the real problem and the real solution for the health of our body, our community, our environment. And with that health, we have the strength to fight for freedom. So this is central. Now, the way, you know, so it's not just a campaign slogan, but what I just gave you is a flavor of a systems approach. And so anyone out there uh, who supports our campaign, by the way, only people in the United States can donate to our campaign. When you donate to our campaign, I want to make it available to all of you to get access to this amazing ebook that it took me a lot of years, probably four or five decades to congeal. It's called System and Revolution. You can read it in a couple of hours, but in those several hours, you will get knowledge of over four decades of my work uh, in system science across my four degrees at MIT, but you will actually understand what a system is, how systems work, what are their principles, and what is revolution, what is change in that context. In addition, you can use the knowledge from this to uh, actually a software tool that took me about 10, 12 years to create called Your Body, Your System. And this tool allows you to apply those principles to your body as a laboratory to uh, see how those principles play out in your body. By the way, those of you, by the way, outside of the United States, um, you cannot donate to my campaign, but if you wanna access your body, your system, you can literally go to your body, your system, and you can uh, get access to it. But your body, your system, as I was mentioning, gives you the ability to actually use those systems principles Three of them of the nine principles are transport, conversion, and storage will help you identify what kind of system you are, transport, conversion, and storage. This red dot, when you answer these questions, will place your red dot in a particular space. That is who your system type is. Then you answer a different set of questions and you can figure out how your system type gets disturbed during the day, over the month, over the weeks by all sorts of um, uh, things that occur to your life or as life takes place, environmental changes, life changes, that's that black dot. And then you can understand how food, which are inputs, which is another aspect of systems theory, the inputs, which include food, exercise, can bring you back to you. So this is a very powerful tool. So again, those of you outside of the US, you can take advantage of this. Those of you in the US who wanna support the campaign, uh, get access to that and the book and by, um, uh, when you support the campaign, so please take advantage of this. It's a great way uh, for us having a reciprocal relationship, which means you support our campaign, um, which is for you, for everyone, and you also get access to knowledge. So that's, that's the first thing. So as I shared out uh, today, I'm gonna have two lectures. Today is on citizen science, the weapon against fake science, the real weapon against fake science. So, um, many of you know, you know, I have a bunch of degrees from MIT. I spend, separate from the 100, 200% I do running for Senate, I spend uh, a large part of my time, you know, when I get up to practicing science. I uh, run one organization called Cytosolve. Cytosolve, I'll share with you, is a company that I created, which um, is a came out of my PhD work at MIT, and I'll just take you to the site. Cytosolve is a very cool company that literally uh, came out of my PhD work to use the computer, computing power, to model various diseases on the computer and then use that digital medicine understanding of that to analyze different foods and supplements and chemicals, how they affect our body. That's Cytosol. So the other thing I also do, this is my other hat, I run a university or, a, a, or an institute called Systems Health. And Systems Health 
After I finished my PhD at MIT where I created Cytosolve, I went to India. And after going to India, I interconnected engineering systems theory and I unraveled how Eastern systems of medicine work. And that's called Systems Health. And this is a university that you can attend online. You can take the foundations course of Systems Health where you can really have a deep understanding. You get a letter of completion. And those of you who want to go beyond that and you get access to six courses, you get access to a portal, you get access to uh, three books, which is the trilogy. Um, you get uh, access to online sessions. And then there's the advanced program, which where you can become Systems Health certified. It involves not only these six courses, it involves multiple other programs and the books. And it also involves these three other, two other programs. So it's something you may want to consider, but it's a very powerful way uh, where I am wanting to educate systems revolutionaries across the world. So uh, you may want to look into that. So that systems understanding is what we can use to understand where science is at today, where we need to go, um, and so on. So let me begin by first reviewing a little bit of, uh, you know, what is the scientific method? What is this thing that I keep calling truth, freedom, and health? And why is it very important to the discussion about, you know, uh, uh, what we need to do to really support the scientific method? So let me just go over here and I'm going to start my share screen of my other um, uh, application here. Okay. So people know that I've been talking about this concept of truth, freedom, and health. Uh, it's more than just words. As I mentioned earlier, the blue dot over here, let's start on, uh, over here with freedom. Freedom means the ability to debate, to discourse, uh, to uh, openly have conversations, not in back rooms. And the way, the why that is important is because with freedom, we can practice a scientific method and a systems approach to get to truth. So what is the scientific method? Well, the scientific method is a approach that uh, is, is true and tested that allows us to march towards truth. And how do we do that? Well, we know that, you know, from the time uh, we started observing things in nature, we're trying to figure out why things work. So the scientific method begins with an observation, an apple falling from a tree. So, and it's a very humbling process. So you see an apple fall from a tree. And the first step we do is we say, we ask a question, why did that apple fall from the tree, from that observation? And that leads us making a hypothesis. Well, maybe there's a dragon in the middle of the earth, which is sucking the apple down. Um, maybe there's a big magnet, okay? Maybe there's some force called gravity between two objects, between the earth and that apple, and it brings it together. And based on that hypothesis, we may even propose an idea of how to, how to figure out that relationship. So that results in us running experiments. So we may drop a bunch of apples from different heights, um, and then we may formulate an answer. We say, well, you know, the force between that apple and that earth follows a certain formula. The force is equal to, let's say, the mass of that apple, the mass of the earth, right? Times some constant, we call a gravitational constant, constant divided by the distance of those two objects from the two centers squared, okay? That uh, is what Newton formulated in his definition of what was called the law of gravity. And that law he kept testing and testing and testing, doing multiple experiments, and it's withstood this, uh, the test of time. So it's become a law. But you begin with an observation, 
You begin with a hypothesis, you begin with experiments, and if your experiments don't match your hypothesis, guess what? You're wrong, and you have to start again and again. It doesn't matter, as I've shared, at, uh, uh, you know, paraphrasing Richard Feynman, one of the great scientists, how good looking you are, where you're from, your background, how much money you have, you're wrong, okay? So that's a scientific method. But one aspect of the scientific method is to connect the dots. And that's what I mean by system thinking. You get to the scientific method by appreciating, well, connections between the apple and the earth. And that's how you get to truth. And when we can understand truth, we can, we can start using that truth, the law of gravity, to understanding solving real problems. How do you build a bridge? How do you get a rocket up to space? How do you land it on Mars, et cetera? And that's real problem. And we can figure out real solutions from that truth. And then using that, we can get to the health of the understanding of our uh, machines, our systems, our health infrastructure. And that health gives us the real infrastructure, the resilient systems to get to freedom. Okay. So it's truth, freedom, truth, truth, freedom, and health. I hope that's clear. Okay. Let me see if there's any questions. Jen, if there's any questions on this before, uh, nice to have people from Norway, Canada, by the way. So that is this process of freedom to truth and to health. And that's why our movement, you know, our, which has become a global movement from truth, freedom, and health is predicated on that. We must fight for freedom. So you can't just be a guy who just believes in freedom. You know, I believe in the rights of the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, et cetera. You also have to recognize we need science. You can't just be a nerd doing experiments, nor can you just be a yoga a person just sitting under a tree all day meditating. We have to connect all these aspects of ourselves. The freedom fighter, the yogi, and the scientists all have got to come together. They're deeply interconnected, okay? Now, what we see occurring, however, one of the unfortunate things that can easily occur is that we can get into this cycle. Let me go over here, let me add this again, is we can get into a very different cycle of what I call fear, fiction, and fascism, okay? Where you promote fear among people, like was promoted in this big fear-mongering of the coronavirus, or fear-mongering of climate change, or fear-mongering guns are what are the sole cause of violence, etc. And with that fear, you suppress debate, you suppress discourse, you suppress any type of open discussion, and you result in scientific consensus. Everyone nodding their head, yes, uh, you know, everyone should be given vaccines. Yes, uh, CO2 is a pollutant. Yes, guns are the only thing that cause violence uh, and so on. And oh yes, GMOs are safe. And we create this left-right dialectic. People are pro-GMO or anti-GMO. People are pro-climate, anti-climate. People are pro-guns, anti-guns. People are pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. And that's how the establishment likes to work because that is left and right and divides us. A systems approach that I just shared lets us come to the truth. So for example, some of you may know, I came out vehemently against the Paris Accords and everyone called me a right winger. Well, it has nothing to do with that. When you actually analyze the Paris Accords, what you find is that the Paris Accords actually increases pollution. No matter what the celebrities tell you, no matter what Jane Fonda is doing or whatever uh, you know, others wanna do, it allows China to double their pollution from 11 billion metric tons to 22 billion. And if you analyze that system, once the pollution, uh, and they have until 2030, they have to then buy carbon credits on the market and the price of those carbon credits will escalate and there'll be a lot of trillionaires made. 
Al Gore's friends, etc. That's what the Paris Accords is. So people call me a right winger. It's not right wing. It's the truth. The reality is that the Paris Accords increase pollution. So if all of us want to unify on lowering pollution, by the way, CO2 is not a pollutant, uh, we would agree the Paris Accords were garbage. Now, you go to the uh, another example, Monsanto, genetically engineered foods. The right wing guys, you know, uh, uh, who have funded Monsanto, who support them. I was a guy who did all the research exposed uh, through a systems approach, through a series of five scientific papers, that the uh, genetically engineered uh, foods, Michelle, yeah, the genetically engineered foods actually have no safety assessment standards. I was the first one to bring that out, publish, and the right wing called me a lefty for doing that, okay? But again, I took a systems approach, and you find that these foods are not tested. There is no safety assessment standards, all right? So, so this is what we, we need to go beyond left and right. That's how we get to truth, freedom, and health. Beyond black and white, as I've talked about in my racism talk, that's how we get to truth, freedom, and health. Beyond left and right, beyond black and white. So what we see here is that fear is what's used by those in power to uh, convert science into scientific consensus. Scientific consensus is what I call fake science. It has nothing to do with reality. What it has to do with is, uh, do you believe? Do you believe there's climate change? Do you believe that uh, everyone should get mandated vaccines and so on? And this leads to fiction. Fiction, fake problems and fake solutions. And this leads to fascism, which means controlling us, which leads to more fear, where we're frozen, we're incapable of fighting for our freedom. This is this cycle, and I prefer this cycle, which I believe most human beings do. This is a cycle that leads us to the dark ages. This leads us to the golden age, all right? So I hope that framework is clear. Let's talk about, in science, what is evidence? What is evidence? Because evidence is a foundation of science, which means, remember, you come up with an observation, you look at an observation, you have a hypothesis, then you do experiments, and what you're doing is you're gathering evidence. Now, it's very important before you go say this is a fact that you have the evidence. So what is evidence? Let's, let's really look at what is evidence. And this is a very important definition of evidence, all right? So what is evidence? Evidence, now I'll, I'll go over this. In order for that to be evidence, which means something to be evidence, there cannot be ambiguity. It means evidence is something that is unambiguously predicted. Unambiguously predicted. I'll read this again. In order for that, you know, if you say the force between two objects, gravitational force, is a gravitational constant times the mass of those two objects multiplied divided by the square of their distance. Well, if, that's, if that is true, that means that evidence is something that's unambiguously predicted. That means every time you do it, you get the same answer. Okay? So let, let, me, let me restate that. Um, when you do real science, not fake science, and you have an apple falling from the tree, and you have evidence, which is a model, a law, that that apple will uh, fall from the tree and hit the ground at a certain time with a certain force between that. Okay? It's not evidence if on one prediction, the apple, uh, according to your prediction, will hang two feet above the earth. 
and in another prediction will hang you know, one feet above the earth, and in another prediction will hang a half a foot above the earth. That's not, a, um, that's not an unambiguous prediction. You have three different answers for it. Let's say it's the same earth and the same size of the apple, the same apple. If you have three different predictions, that is not evidence because it's an ambiguous prediction, okay? This is something uh, that a lot of uh, talking heads uh, on uh, CNN, Fox News, uh, grifters on the internet uh, have not explained to you, but I wanna arm you with this knowledge that evidence is unambiguous prediction, okay? Now, let's talk about something that, let's, so let's, let's bring this home. For a long time, people have been promoting the climate change thing. So here's my, uh, here's the science. Climate does change. Climate is always changing. So that's true. No argument. Uh, CO2 is a greenhouse gas. No argument. Greenhouse gases do increase temperature. No argument. Okay. And, and, uh, and CO2 is a greenhouse gas. Okay. So there's no arguments on what I just shared here. However, when it comes to science, it's not just making these factual statements. It is how much, how much, how much, how much does that CO2 increase climate change? How much does the Arctic ice melt before, because of that? Okay. Now, in order to predict that, people create mathematical models. And look, uh, most of my life for, since the age of 14, I'm, I've been creating mathematical models. Cytosol creates mathematical models. That's what we make, okay? All my degrees involve making mathematical models. So, so in order to predict how much, let's say ice melts on the Arctic, you have to take very, very complex physical, chemical, radiative physics equations, put them all together and make a prediction. Now, if what you're saying is true, it must be unambiguous prediction, right? As, that's evidence. So when people say there is evidence that all the ice is going to melt on the Arctic. Okay. I'm going to share with you something. If you look at the recent IPCC report, which is the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change, you go read that report. It's a very long report. I've gone through it. A lot of people don't read it. They'll say, oh my God, the earth is going to end. Again, very stupid people like uh, uh, Jane Fonda, celebrities, Kennedys, they all get together on the saying, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, all of them to create fear. Remember, fear leads to scientific consensus, leads to fiction, leads to fascism. So what is the evidence? I'm literally gonna show you now an actual document from the IPCC. And this is what you'll see. Let me go back here. And what you'll see here is, is this. This is a set of curves predicting how much Arctic ice is gonna melt. And I'm gonna walk you through this. Remember, what is evidence? Unambiguous prediction. You don't see one line here. You see about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Sorry, it was right here. 21 different ambiguous predictions of how much ice is gonna melt on the Arctic. So what do you see here? The, the y-axis here is a percentage of ice that will melt, the mean percentage, and the X is by what time? So this model here, the purple model, which starts here, predicts by 2100, which is 80 years from now, about 60% of the ice will have melted, okay? This purple model, which is 
this one right here by model five. This blue one right up here predicts that nearly 95% of the ice will have melted, okay, by 2100. This model over here, which is this orange model, predicts none of the ice will have melt, melted, okay? That's what, that's what, so there's 21 different predictions. This is not science. This is not evidence. Be it the, you know, we just experienced this big fear-mongering thing that we should shut down the whole country, just like that bogus evidence. This is bogus, this is not evidence. So from a scientific perspective, real science, this is not evidence. These are ambiguous predictions. They are indeterminate. Yet, this nonsense, this kind of nonsense is being used to create public policy, to create fear, right? To create fear, which leads to fiction, which leads to fascism. All of us must do this. All of us must now um, convert our cars to that, so on. We, we all agree we want to lower pollution, okay? But CO2 is not a pollutant. And furthermore, there's no evidence that the Arctic ice is melting, okay? I just shared with you that it's in the inter uh, panel, you know, international panel, climate change. You, you can go read it and so on. So what I'm, my point is that people start doing scientific consensus. Why follow the money? Why follow the money? And what you will see is that there's money behind big academia, big military, big corporations to promote narratives, not the truth. So for example, MIT gets around 40, 20 to $40 million on climate change. You put climate change on anything, you'll get funded. And a lot of people are doing this. So do you think any academic is gonna say anything against climate change? No, just like lawyers will always jump into any problem and suck out money. Academics have become as bad as that because their goal is to get keep getting funding and keep you know advancing themselves. So I wanna uh, just take a moment to talk to you before I reveal the solution here, to talk to you about how academia works. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you um, have gone through the higher education process, got your PhD, and gone through the process of trying to get a job in academia. Well, this is how it works. The typical process is, you know, you go to grade school, then you go to high school, um, and then after high school, you choose some area of interest. Let's say you wanna be a biologist, you go to four years of undergraduate, and then after that, you can decide to get a master's degree, and then after that, you can decide to get a PhD. A PhD degree is setting you up to do research. And many people who do PhDs, they can go into two tracks. They can get a PhD because they really love doing the science, um, you know, wanna build things, innovation, that's the track I went. Other people get the PhD and right after that, um, they wanna become a professor at some university. That process, most universities, after you get your PhD and if you are given an entry level job as a professor, you have seven years, only seven years to get what's called tenure, okay? So during those seven years, you're sort of a temporary employee, okay? as a professor in a university, but you have seven years to get tenure. Tenure means you get a job for life, which itself, in my view, is a problem, problematic, but you get a job for life. So you're 21 year old out of your undergraduate, 
then you take seven years to finish your PhD, 28 years old, you have seven years. So by, if you succeed by the age of 35, you basically have a job for the rest of your life. No one can fire you. Okay, so that's the incentive to get that job for life. So in those seven years, how do you get that tenure position? Well, you have to do a couple of things. In fact, you have to do three things. First, you have to choose an area uh, of interest, a specialty, and you have to publish a lot of papers in that, number one. Number two, your papers are not worth anything unless someone, other peers, other big guns in your same specialty also cite or refer to your research. So if anyone out here, let's take, uh, we have someone, Lynette Swanson or uh, Elaine, um, uh, if, you, if you publish a bunch of research, let's say you're, you wanna study the biology of ants. Well, you publish a bunch of papers, 100 papers, but let's say there are uh, someone else um, is, is the leading researcher in that field in the biology of ants. If he doesn't ever cite your research or he doesn't say your research is good, guess what? You're never gonna get tenure. So you have to have citations. Citations, not only publications, but citations. Well, how do you get citations? Well, you have to go convince these other head honchos, people in powerful positions, that you're doing good research and they cite your research. You could have 100 publications, but if you have zero citations, you're not gonna get tenure. This means you have to become friendly. You have to kiss up. You have to be good friends with these people and you have to convince them that you're doing good research and they should cite you. For example, Fauci has a lot of citations, which means he spent a lot of time networking, okay? Socializing with others to get their citations. Now, that's number two. Third is at the end of that seven year period, they look at your, your peers in your university they ask you to submit letters of seven to 10 other people who are the biggest peers, and they interview those people and they say, hey, is this person great in the field? You have to get recommendation letters, and then a vote is taken whether you get tenure. But you see, this whole process is about building peer consensus, which means you better get in alignment with your peers. If you're doing radical revolutionary research, you're probably not gonna get tenure. Einstein, for example, did not get a tenured position as an academic. He was working a full-time job as a patent clerk when he did his fundamental research, you know, um, uh, photoelectricity, the photoelectric effect. He didn't do it in an academic setting because it was so radically, probably would have never gotten tenure, never even been accepted. So you have to understand the academic process is about bringing you into alignment, okay? That's what it's about. So what is the solution? Well, I wanna share with you, let me see if I can bring it up. Um, I wanna share with you the, a tweet that I just did earlier today. If people go to my Twitter, I'll bring it up. I did a tweet earlier today about a very interest, interesting retraction that took place uh, in a scientific journal that just occurred. And the, um, and, and the journal essentially retracted a paper that was, let me see if I can log in here. Okay, so let me just bring up my uh, my uh, my um, Twitter here. There we go. Okay, so what I'm going to show you here, there's a very very interesting 
article that I just put out here or a tweet that I did, which talks about, here we go. Okay, let me bring up my, add this to the stream. And let me stop the screen and go over here. So let me bring this up here. Okay, so everyone can see this. All right, what does this say? This is a tweet I did. It says, medical establishment who loves Clinton Gates mandated vaccines forced to retract fake science paper on dangers of hydroxychloroquine. Why? No data. This was a paper that was published where someone said, hey, can you get me the data, the raw data? It was inaccessible. It was inaccessible. And this paper basically was fun, uh, basically uh, said that hydroxychloroquine was absolutely dangerous. It would kill a lot of people. It was published. Fortunately, it was retracted because when someone said, hey, can I see the actual data? I actually want to see the data, how you came to this conclusion. I hope everyone's understanding what I'm saying. So remember when I said people go through this 10-year process? Well, part of that 10-year process, they apply for federal funds from institutions like the NSF and the NIH, which is our taxpayer-funded institutions. And those institutions give those people money to do research. It's our tax dollars. Or if you're outside of the United States tax dollars that your governments give. That researcher takes that money and they use that money to do experiments. Well, if you try to find, I, I would dare anyone to figure out easily if they could find where all the climate change data is. Where is the raw data, which means the actual experimental data? Well, it's very difficult to find a lot of this data because what happens is in this 10-year process, the incentive is to get tenure, the incentive is to be competitive, the incentive is to hide your data. So people hide their data, keep it close to their chest. And what they do as a result of that, they can manipulate the data to achieve scientific consensus. I'm not saying everyone does that, there's a lot of good scientists, but the entire incentive process is forcing more and more academics to get being salespeople. So they get the data, they manipulate it. So in this case, what you're seeing here, someone said, where's the data? Where is the data? And they couldn't get the data. So this paper was retracted because there's no meat behind it. So the solution that I wanna propose is citizen science. I believe there's a lot of smart people in the world. We all have tools now, Excel and spreadsheets. We all can do analysis. So what I believe needs to happen is any federally funded project from your and I tax dollars, that if I as a research get that money, as I'm doing experiments, that data should be made public. Not at the end, after six years, after I have a chance to manipulate all the data, the raw data. So the climate change data, if people are doing satellite experiments, they should be published online, accessible to all. Because then we could see what they're actually doing. We can have oversight. Right now, there is no oversight by us, the people who have given them the money. The theory is, oh, we are the enlightened ones and the people aren't that smart. So um, uh, if you guys uh, wanna uh, go, if anyone wants to go to shivaforsenate.com, we have various parts of my platform. Let me bring this up. And one central part of our platform is what I call the Citizen Science Act, okay? Citizen Science Act. This is to bring power back to us so we can stop fake science and we can nip it in the butt. And the Citizen Science Act, if people go here, and if you wanna to go to About and you click on our platform, we have various aspects of the platform. There's a really cool thing called the manifesto, 
which you can go read. You can, in fact, if you go here, you can download it, you can print it. I encourage everyone to do it. It's basically a, a complete manifesto. It's two pages about the revolution to win your future for truth, freedom, and health, why infrastructure is key. So you can, you're welcome to go look at that. The other uh, piece that, that's relevant today is the Citizen Science Act. So if people go here to the Citizen Science Act, this is what I put together. And let me go here, close this up. And what it says is, I mean, this is a draft thing and I want people's feedback. And this is one of the first things I will do as a Senator. It says, an act to restore truth in science by ensuring that any taxpayer funded research results in the institution receiving such funding, ensure that data acquired from any experiments in the course of such research is made immediately accessible, um, uh, uh, nearly, uh, this, this should, by the way, this is an edit to every US citizen, okay? And so this is what the elements, it's a draft, okay? And I want everyone to participate in this. Let me see if I can make this a little bit bigger. I may be able to, and you can print it here. Yeah, automatic zoom, okay? Page fit, okay? So now I can zoom it a little bit better. So what this act says is, is that um, whereas in 1961, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, as the 34th president of the United States, delivered in a television broadcast on January 17, 1961, sharing his concerns of the emerging military industrial complex. Whereas in 1969, the passage of the Mansfield Amendment, an amendment to the Military Authorization Act introduced by Senator Mike Mansfield, resulted in consolidation of enormous amounts of monies. The Mansfield Amendment literally changed scientific research. So a lot of money got put into the National Science Foundation, which is a political organization. And in 1970, Senator William Fulbright talked about the military industrial academic complex. And whereas the biological sciences, there's a growing recognition of conflict of interest between major corporations and the National Institute of Health. That's where a guy like Fauci sits at. And whereas the incentives in universities prioritize the acquisition of funding over the quality of research resulting in the subversion of the scientific method with the scientific consensus, and whereas there's growing recognition that peer-reviewed process in scientific publication has been subverted by systemic conflicts. And what I'm proposing here is an act be enacted, and you can go read it, that fundamentally says that any data, any data that is acquired through our federal funding must be put into the cloud where we can all receive it. And if the researcher does not do that, it is a $5 million violation per violation and is subject to criminal penalties. And you can read more about it, but the point is, we have to recognize that without science, we're never gonna to get to truth. We have manipulation of science taking place today. So this Citizen Science Act lays out a framework where we, the people who are funding this research, have direct access to the knowledge that we're paying for. So these guys in their tenure process aren't massaging the data to make sure that their data looks good for scientific consensus. Does that make sense? So that is a Citizens' right Science Act because exactly, someone said, uh, yeah, exactly, decentralize this. That's what we need to do. We as people, it's called decentralization of science. You see what's happened is the academic world thinks they're so much smarter than everyone else that only they should control truth. So this kind of solution, um, unfortunately, we're not gonna get the, from the lawyers, right? We're not gonna get from the lobbyists. We're not gonna get from the insider academics. We're gonna get people this kind of uh, solution that I propose from people like you and I 
who work for a living, who have to create things that actually work. And what we're seeing is in every aspect of society right now, science, fake science, is becoming the fake news behind fake news. Okay? That's what's, for example, someone said, stop wearing those fake, those stupid masks. When you really look at the real science, you find out that the cloth mask, as I've shared in one of my videos, has 11 times more chance or 13 times more chance of causing influenza like symptoms than the medical mask. But both masks are like, uh, you know, they don't really solve anything because they're like a mosquito going through a chain link fence. And finally, the N95 mask, which really blocks stuff, you can't wear that more than one or two hours. You're gonna get headaches if you're prone to it. You're gonna get other problems because of the CO2 oxygen transfer. The real solution is to boost the immune system, boost the immune system. So in closing, I'll, I'll, uh, when Jen gets back, we'll see what, what questions there are. But one of the important things that we're doing you know, uh, to support all of this is um, I want to, you know, on the ground for our campaign, you know, if you look at this whole issue of immunity, you get to the truth of it. The real truth is we need to boost the immune system. That's what needs to be done. And uh, for example, if any one of you is in Massachusetts, if anyone listening or if you have friends in Massachusetts, please let them know this weekend, uh, tomorrow, we're doing a, a walk for truth, freedom and health. And look what we're doing. We're gonna start at Bunker Hill. We're gonna go to the US Constitution, the Old North Church, to Paul Revere. And then we're gonna end up at the North End, which is an amazing place, great food. These restaurant owners have been completely screwed because of the shutdown. And what we wanna do is we wanna help these people. So we're gonna do a walk. And at the end of it, um, people can go to the North End. And, and that's the second event, which I'll show uh, right here. We're gonna say, take out to the streets, okay? Uh, you, people can order takeout, support your community, build your immunity. So we're going to have 1130 to 1:30. We're going to go into the streets. We're going to order takeout. So we're in quote unquote compliance, but no one can stop us from eating on the streets, right? A lot of protests. We're just eating out there and we want people to join us if you're out there. But this uh, result comes from recognizing that we got to boost the immune system. Socially isolating ourselves lowers the immune system. That's real science. So in closing, citizen science, citizen science, us having access to the data that we funded in real time, not seven years later, but as they're doing their research, that's what this will allow us to do. So let me see if there's any questions. If people have questions, I'll uh, listen to them here. If you wanna type in your question, I'm wa uh, watching them. Um, I support real science, great. Um, the answer for is to boost your immune system and not social distancing. Exactly, thank you uh, from Detroit. We have to win this election. So anyone out there, anyone out there, you gotta tell people, you gotta tell people to go to Shiva for Senate if they're inside or outside of Massachusetts. You have to tell them to support the campaign. That's what we need. Tell them to donate small or little generously to the campaign. Remember, anyone who donates to the campaign gets access to an awesome book this is so I don't want to take anything for free. They get access to this tool, which teaches you how the body is a system. And those of you can, if you're in mass or outside of mass, we have a place that you can actually volunteer. We have over a thousand volunteers from outside of Massachusetts. And you can go here and sign up to be a volunteer. If you're inside of mass or, or you know friends in Massachusetts, please tell them to pledge to vote for us. And, and, and you can pick up lawn signs if you're in mass. And this weekend we have a great event 
people should join us. All right? That's what we're doing. It all is interconnected. Me running for Senate is not something I'm doing over here and being a scientist. So when we say build, you know, support your community, boost your immunity, let's go support, build community. We're doing this nice walk, a peaceful walk. We're going to go to the North End, order takeout. We're going to bring all of our friends. Anyone out there, join us. That's this Saturday. You can meet us at Bunker Hill Monument, which is a very, very historic place. At around 10 a.m., we're going to leave from 1030. Uh, yes, we have volunteers in, in California, Anna, but please sign up. Citizens power, exactly. Anyone can volunteer wherever you are. We have, uh, you can help make phone calls for us if you're outside of Massachusetts. There's many, many things you can do, okay? That's what people can do. Jen, can you bring up any comments people have or questions? Anyone you have a question, please ask. Um, by the way, those of you listening at 9 p.m. today, uh, I put out a tweet, uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people requested that I do a talk on colloidal silver. That'd be at 9 p.m. today, it's a science talk. Someone says the power of your information is nuclear and is exploding all over the world. Uh, and this is a fight between light and dark. Keep that light shining. Thank you, Gus. Um, that's what we need to do. We need to take power back. We need to go back to truth, freedom, and health. That's what this is about. This is not just about a Senate campaign, but we must win in Massachusetts because Massachusetts is ultimately the center of power of intellectual thought. And, and, and thought, remember, drives all action. So truth, action you know, is preceded by thought, truth, freedom, and health. That's what this is about. Have you looked into gumweed plus zinc as a way to reduce the IL-6 and other inflammatory markers? Um, Maxi uh, Zabin, great question. Um, uh, Maxi, if you're interested in uh, working as, as a project on this, one of the things we're going to do is uh, we've had so many requests. People are saying, hey, can you run this through Cytosol? Can you run this through? We're actually creating a uh, we're going to launch it shortly, but we're creating a truth, freedom and health warriors portal, truth, freedom and health warriors portal where people can, based on whatever interest they have, basic level, advanced level, if they want to become teachers, trainers, we're going to start offering some of this great research as research reports, and you can request research. In fact, we are actually thinking of creating a decentralized innovation uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. So people have ideas. They can use our technology, Cytosoft, to test it and create new products. That's coming. But yes, we can test that. And please email me if that's max at vashiva at vashiva.com to uh, see how you can participate. But our goal is to create lots of citizen scientists. And so we're going to be actually launching a citizen science platform. Does marijuana lower the immune system? Great question. Look, one of the things we want to talk about is one size does not fit all. That's been, uh, as a leader in the field of personalized medicine, for some people it may, for others it may not. It depends on the type of marijuana, the type of concentration of ingredients in it, etc. Our research re recently shows that when you look at THC, depending on certain genetic proclivities for people with schizophrenia and, and, and um, uh, let's say certain psychosis, marijuana, particularly the high dose THC can aggravate that, can actually make people more violent, okay? And I'll be sharing that research. But look, uh, whenever Marlboro starts putting $2.1 billion into the marijuana industry, I start wondering um, how much is the medical 
uh, value of marijuana going to be fully explored or not? Someone says, I'm totally copying Shiva to take control over Europe. Excellent, Heinrich. Heinrich, if you're in Europe, please send an email to me, vashiva at vashiva.com. We're um, putting together a whole set of resources to enable you to do that globally. This is a global movement for truth, freedom, and health. So vashiva at vashiva.com. People send me an email. We haven't launched this. We're going to launch it in a few weeks, but you can be some of the earlier, earliest participants in this. My HOA is forcing me to wear a mask in public areas of the high rise I live in. Is this legal? Look, whether you know it or not, no one can force you to wear masks. Um, for example, you have the right to say, look, I have a medical condition that does not allow me to wear masks. They have no right, according to HIPAA, the Health Information Privacy Act, the American Disabilities Act, to ask you what that ailment is. So if you don't wanna wear a mask and you think it's affecting your health, you can say, look, I have a medical condition and uh, that prevents me from wearing the mask. And they have no right to intervene with you, interfere with you. I'm a healthcare worker and have to wear the N95 mask eight hours a day with patient and I'm unable to work now because of now getting very bad headaches, wearing masks. And now you're absolutely right. Look, someone very close to me works in a medical um, uh, hospital. She's got to wear these masks six hours, seven hours a day. She's been getting massive headaches, massive headaches, and they're changing everyone's schedule. So this whole thing is N-O-N-S-E-N-C-E, nonsense, no sense, no science, okay? Nonsense, no science. So we gotta push back, fight back, but focus it not on conspiracy, but on actual science. What I'm sharing with you is when we go to the science, beyond scientific consensus, with the mask, you find out that when you put that thing on, I mean, I find it amazing, these frankly very stupid idiots running with their masks on. You are changing the exchange of CO2 ratio to oxygen, and that will affect people differentially. And so wearing those masks, and furthermore, if it's a cloth mask, there's been a lot of research that shows it gets wet, you have a higher prone, 13 times more to getting infection than the medical mask. But regardless, both masks are like big chain link fences that a mosquito couldn't go through. The aerosolized, um, you know, uh, particulates of the coronavirus are like, you know, mosquitoes going through a chain link fence. That's what they really are. When is the Senate, uh, when is that? When is the Senate voting? What was that question? I, I, I missed that question. Sorry about that. Um, yes, Cheryl Meyer said, have we ever worked with essential oils? We have. Um, there's a very interesting company. Uh, this is not me promoting them called doTERRA. Um, we did a, a very interesting project for them to analyze the combinations of essential oils on a certain biological function. But Cytosol, I think we're gonna make Cytosol more and more publicly accessible. My employer said I would have to take a leave of absence if I didn't wear it. Well, um, Jamie Valentino, Jamie, you may wanna look at a law in the United States called the FMLA. Go look at that, talk to a friend of yours who's in HR, don't go to the company, find someone else, and if you're getting sick from wearing those masks, you have the right to um, look at FMLA. So they can't do that to you and they'll have to pay you. So go look at that. I would like to know what you think about liquid, uh, about the liquid oxygen. A uh, very interesting question, Martha. You're the second person to ask me. Um, I'm not sure whether you're talking about for antioxidant therapy because oxygen 
you know, is, uh, you know, uh, has been shown to be very powerful as a uh, antiviral. That's not what I'm talking about. But um, in a few weeks from now, people have asked me to look at the oxygen therapy. I'll be doing a session on that. Jen, just make a note on that. Um, HGIW will be available to the back uh, community, especially the education. I can't understand this, what I'm hearing, but I'm afraid a lot of it go over my head. Can anyone explain what, hold on. Jen, can you, do you know what HGIW is? Maybe I'm ignorant, I'm really sorry. Anyone know what that is? Let me look at what that is. Can someone explain what HGIW is? High grade industrial water? Huh. Especially the education is likely. Okay, so I'm not sure what you're saying, Montan Nunley, but what I can tell you is if you send me an email to vashiva at vashiva.com, I can answer your question, but we'd like to support what you're doing and help your educational process. How is it, how is if start medical class starting the elementary school all over the world? How is starting medical class? Um, I'm not sure if you're saying if you want to teach people medicine. Oh, oxygen ozone therapy. Look, in my view, uh, that the entire secondary school education should be teaching people how to boost the immune system, should be teaching people how the body is a system. That's why I created the system health program. My goal is to basically use that because universities aren't doing it. Use system health to educate all of you on a systems approach. So you, all of you can become systems health trained. So please look into that, take advantage of it. Returning to school, Jessica says, is there anything schools can do about the suggested guidelines? They're so dangerous to children physically and psychologically. I assume you mean the suggested vaccine guidelines, right, Jen? I think that's what she means. So look, um, or if the mask guidelines or, or keeping people away, the social distancing, I can talk about all of them. Look, first of all, um, we've just seen massive protests take place on uh, an event that took place in Chicago. Now, within that event, there were various trends. There, was, there were the terrorists looting and burning down. There were sincere people who wanted to see people address racism. And then there were people with political agendas. When it comes to these school guidelines, forcing kids to stay distance away or wear masks, or get vaccinated, we need to build a similar bottoms up movement, which needs to go at the heart of the relative vaccines. We need to remove, there's no, can be no compromise in 1962 vaccination, the Kennedy Vaccination Act of 1962. And then when it comes to the immune system, we as parents, we as educated people need to go to these school administrations and say, we need to boost the immune system. And any of you, uh, want, I can do a town hall to these school administrators. Maybe what we should do is to all these school administrators, those of you listening, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the United States, I can do a town hall, which means we can invite them to do a town hall and we can teach them about boosting the immune system. Gus Ogg says your system's approach will be brilliant in schools. Imagine the diseases and other problems society could avoid prevention is a cure. Exactly. Um, what Gus is talking about is, look, the goal is as I mentioned, uh, and I, you know, I'm doing this thing because this has been part of my life's work. If people want to take a chance to go to systemshealth.com, um, the systems health approach is really an approach to teach people how you can see everything in the world as a system. That's what it's about. 
And to those of you wanting to learn more about this, please go to Systems Health. And it's a two, and there's a foundations program. We made it very affordable, but there's an introduction. You learn the fundamentals of systems theory, modern systems biology. Then I teach you the Indian systems of medicine, and then I teach you how they're integrated. But at the end of it, you learn a systems approach to health. It's a much more deeper program than what I'm offering. But that program is a huge way for everyone to get educated. In my view, every school should be offering systems health. It's fundamentally sort of the science about everything in a very fundamental way. Okay, it's 6.13. I'm sorry, my apologies. I'm doing two things at once. How available will the education of all this be to the black community in a way that won't go over their heads? Montana, you're asking a great question. Many of you know who listen to me. I try to take very complex things. One of the things people really, I, I, I get very uh, excited when people send me all these emails. They say, Dr. Shiva, you make things easy to understand. Look, one of my professors at MIT, who was, by the way, the only black professor at MIT, um, he was my advisor. He said, you know, you got to teach people and write things in such a way that anyone can understand. You don't make it so complex. And that's one of the, uh, in honor to him, that's one of the things I do. So I made these programs to Montana, if you were listening, if you go and take advantage of the, uh, as a way that you can understand this, if you literally go uh, to the website, Shiva for Senate, and you sign up and, um, for the program here, you will find out that the System and Revolution book is extremely easy to understand. I wrote this for a fifth grader, for a third grader, or for anyone. You don't need any background. My goal is to consolidate with this course. It's a very basic course. You can go to the advanced ones at System Self, is to educate people how the body is a system, anything is a system. It's easily understandable. I spend a lot of time making nice pictures on your body, your system. So that's one of the core things. That's how we break down the establishment's control by making things, without simplifying it, making things simpler to understand, if that makes sense. Okay. Thank you for your course, Jessica says. How about educate, oops, um, Jen, I'm missing some of these questions. Some of them are really good ones. Um, what can we do about the contact tracing program? Revolt, that's, that's the best thing you can do. We need to organize bottoms up. Look, the good news is tens of thousands of people protested and no one stopped them because people are recognizing that truth matters. So we got to start organizing bottoms up. I'm still away, oops. Kim says, I'm ordering your book. Great. By the way, the System and Revolution book is extremely readable. I don't know if I have a copy here. One second. Let me go get a copy of it so I can uh, share it here. One sec. Yeah, this is the book right here. Those of you who want to get it. And I, I, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll read a section from this book um, that hopefully will inspire you um, to uh, take, get your path on a systems approach, okay? Because that's what, um, that's what needs to occur if we really uh, uh, want to get to truth here. Um, so one of the sections in this book, 
is called, um, let me see what's a, what's a good section here that everyone may enjoy here. Well, I'll read the forward to the books which I've read before, okay? It says, why read this book? Um, Dr. Shiva, you may run Artemisia through Cytosol. Yes, from South Africa. Valencia, please email me at vashiva at vashiva.com because this is one of the research reports we want to do on Artemisia. This says, why read this book? It says, we have bread, but no health. We have land, but no freedom. We have, quote unquote, peace, but no truth. For truth, freedom, and health, we need revolution. And to make revolution, you need a practical understanding of the principles of all systems. This book will teach you those principles in a practical way by using your body as a system. Health and well-being will be a result, but more importantly, what you will really learn are the unifying principles of all systems, which will provide you the knowledge to make revolution on any system here and now. So that's what systems revolution will teach you. It'll teach you these fundamental principles. And so the principles, and you can apply these principles not only to your body, you can apply them to anything in the universe. That's what this is. And by the way, the book is exactly 115 pages. You can read it in a couple of hours. So to anyone concerned, uh, and the goal of this book is to break down barriers. Uh, you're going to learn control systems engineering. You're going to learn biomimetics. You're going to learn a lot of very complex things, but presented in a simpler way. Okay. In the interest of time, in the interest of wanting to get uh, dinner, <laughs> Um, I'm going to take a break now, but I will be back at 9 p.m. today talking about colloidal silver. Thank you, Dr. Shi, for all your hard work starting at a young age until now. You're made for a time like today. Blessings. Shiloh, thank you so much. You know, uh, to all of you, uh, God bless you. You know, we have to recognize that there is a powerful force that moves the universe. And I feel very fortunate to be able to connect with all of you and connect to that force. And uh, hopefully be a small catalyst for change. And part of being a catalyst is I want to educate you on these fundamental principles. So take advantage of system and revolution. Take advantage of your body or system. Take advantage of systems health. This title of the book is Anthony Cotton's System and Revolution. Okay. And by the way, Anthony, you can simply go to Shiva for Senate. If you can't afford 25, 510, whatever you can donate, you get the ebook. And you can also get online access. Anyway, be well, everyone. Uh, we got to win truth, freedom, and health. Again, if you're in uh, Boston or Massachusetts tomorrow, Saturday, please meet us at Bunker Hill at 10 a.m. We're going to do a nice walk. You'll see some four of the major historic uh, uh, locations, which I'll be uh, being the guide. And then we'll end up in the North End, and we're going to order takeout food and eat out on the street. So Thank you very much. Be the light. Be well. Thank you.